We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Barcelona Podcast, episode 179, brought to you by the Blue Wire Podcast Network. It's Unmissable Opinions, brought to you by the most influential voices in the FC Barcelona community. Hi, I'm Dan Hilton. He is Frances Tomas, and we have two big pieces of news to be discussing before we get to La Ronda today. So we are going back to the days, Frances, of La Gran Pagunta. But before we even get to that, I want to say not only hello, but we were not going to record today. We were supposed to record, and then we weren't going to because I found out that you were going to a match in Qatar. And now you are back and excited to talk, and we have got a special little preview because you just got to see the Juvenile Bays play right in your backyard. Yeah, that's that's what happened. Hola, Gules. Um, yeah, so I, I found out that Barca were playing here, basically driving around Doha the other day. And then I did some investigation, and actually there's an Alcas international tournament. Um, Barca are here, Real Madrid are here, Inter Milan, PSG, and Zenit St. Petersburg. Aspire Academy. So basically, plenty of, ma- of teams around the world competing against each other for the next 15 days, which is great. I just watched uh, Juvenil B, and they were good. I mean, they didn't qualify. They drew 2-2 against PSG, but um, some good prospects in there. I thought that Mar Jurado, who was our right back, was by far the best player on the pitch in terms of skill, but not just that personality. And basically, he was the player that everyone else kept looking for. He was like a little bit like Jordi Alba, but on the right side, which was, was good to see. I thought Jordi, at number seven, left wing, also very good. Uh, tended to drift towards the middle and associate well. And beyond that, BL, Vicente, uh, number 16, um, a little bit of uh, the young, trying to organize everybody else, um, never hiding away. From, from responsibility. And yeah, no, overall, it was an enjoyable match. Um, we didn't qualify, but that's not the important thing. It was the fact that um, they got exposure against a much more physical team. And, you know, this is like three years older in terms of PSG. There was a guy there that looked like Patrice Vieira on steroids and uh, mixed <laughs> with Shaquille O'Neal sort of thing. So, and the guy was just 16, 17 years old, uh, which is impressive. But no, it's, it's good to see that um, Barca continue to travel internationally to promote the, the La Masia prospects. So, good stuff. Yeah, Frances sent me the list. And for those who've known, I've done the deep dives with Navid over La Masia. And I do tend to pay attention. And the roster that Frances sent me wasn't necessarily, we'll say, the A-team for Juvenile Bays. Because 
a bunch of the more talented Juvenile Bay players have been moved up and are training with the Juvenile Oz, including Iesh Akamash, who we've spoken about on the podcast before, as well as uh, Javier Planas, and even in the midfield, uh, Pablo Paez or Gabi. None of them made the trip, uh, and the prolific right-winger striker Angel Alarcon as well, not part of the, the list. So it was, we'll say, a Juvenile Bay team that was not at its complete strength to make that trip uh, because a lot of the ones have either been promoted to Juvenile A or playing with them at the moment. But uh, nevertheless, Frances, yeah, an exciting thing to do. And it certainly puts you in high spirits about the, the club and that the club is reaching all over the world. And another way, you're going to love this transition, and another way that the club is reaching around the world, but maybe not in the best way, is the report that came out today, coming out from Cadena Ser, that the club were, they were, there was a secret paid campaign via social media to attack club legends and presidential candidates. And this is quite a story here. So to go to what the report is at the moment that we know, the report is from Cadena Ser that the club paid about 1 million euros to a company called I3 Ventures. And as part of what they call, they're calling an astroturfing campaign, they are criticizing, or the social media post criticized players such as Messi, PK, and then as well as Guardiola, uh, uh, Xavi, and Carlos uh, Puyol, and then other potential Barcelona candidates for president as Victor Font, Laporta, uh, Agusti Benedito. All of those were being criticized by these different social media campaigns. And so the club has already come out and said that they are not connected to this. This is uh, not related at all. But Frances, this is certainly something that, you know, it's one of those things where like Messi's Instagram post where, or IG post rather with Eric Abidal, where just obviously Messi's response and the fact that he responded became global news and everyone's picking it up now. But I was wondering, oh, I said, oh, is this just going to be a Barcelona insulated thing? And then all of a sudden I start looking everywhere else and well, the rest of the globe is already picking this up. So uh, it appears that this is a story that has already gotten away from Barcelona and Catalonia and it's unable to keep it completely under wraps. But it's one of those things where we don't know if it's true. Uh, obviously, the club has vehemently denied it in the same way that the social media accounts over the weekend were hacked. And uh, it, there's some weird messages put on Twitter and Facebook and all over the place. So obviously, they said it was some kind of third party issue. But this seems to be a little more damning in the way that you have all these different accounts uh, and all this different uh, the, the slander and it coming from a respected media outlet with the Catalan Cadena Ser. Yeah, it certainly looks like a, a pretty complicated negative thing. And uh, the only answer would be, if true in any way, there has to be, and I'm, we're not talking Bartomeu or whoever, we're just saying that there's going to have to be some fault or blame to be put on somebody here. There's going to have to be some kind of resignations and a fallout from this. But I mean, if the club denies it, it'd have to be an internal investigation, right? Frances, like how, where else would justice come from uh, other than within? Well, it's, it's hard to tell, isn't it? And as you said, the, the most relevant point here is that Cadena said, have been broadcasting uh, via radio for nearly a century now. So it is important to know that this is not somebody's Twitter, you know, ad, I want to demolish Barca at 79 sort of thing. It's, it's beyond that. It's, it's a reputable source. Um, honestly, I don't I, I don't want to believe that it's true. Um, I'm, uh, the listeners know that I'm not the biggest fan of Bartomeu and, and the board have done a lot of things wrong. But really, this is if... The, this whole report is just beyond anything that is... I honestly don't want to believe that there is any truth to this. Um, fans and listeners to the pod obviously know that I'm not the biggest follower of, of the board and Bartomeu, you know, it, it doesn't really 
count very highly in my books. But the thing is, this is so nonsensical and so stupid that I really honestly don't think that anyone running a club of our magnitude would be able to do anything like that, and especially with with Barca fans. You know, it's saying that the club is, you know, trying to get Messi away from the club. That doesn't make any sense to me. I mean, if, if Bartomeu wanted to do it for uh, political interest in terms of getting re-elected or having his um, his associates, vice presidents being re-elected in the next round of elections, then... You know, it would make some sense, but I, th- I think it is so far-fetched that no one would put a name to it. And, and obviously, it's clear the club are going to say that they, they haven't done anything. But honestly, I, I'm flabbergasted. I, I'm almost speechless, and that's not normally the case. Right. Again, there's so much information not to know. Uh, and as I said, I don't know how this story progresses or where this goes other than assuming that, you know, if there is something true about it, I mean, you can you can't force the board to choose to have elections sooner than are, is what is planned, which is 2021. Um, so obviously, if true, they're, they're, they would have to take responsibility for it and, again, admit to it. But because the club is denying it, and I mean, they, no, they have no reason to admit to this kind of allegation. And again, I can't, uh, unless there's another body that steps in, which I don't, again, social media... As in with every sport, it seems like social media is completely, it, it's a its a frontier that we have not completely been able to examine and, and police as well in, in, across all major sports. I, I think what happened with, for those again, basketball fans, those the Philadelphia 76ers with their GM, Brian Colangelo, who actually did have a burner account on Twitter where he was slandering his star players. And that was revealed to all be true. Uh, and it was apparently in the name of his wife. It was a whole complicated thing. You can, you can read about it, uh, Brian Colangel, 76ers. Uh, and with that whole situation, he wound up, it wound up that he, it, it was true. And it was pretty easy, though, to track the, all of that stuff down and just confirm it. That was basically a ABCD uh, type situation. And then so he admitted to it and resigned and all those things. But uh, this seems a little more complicated with a lot of different accounts. Uh, so as I said, I mean, the board have no reason to, or Barcelona, unless a third party were to step in and, or, you know, I, there is a lawsuit that Bendito is already putting forth, obviously, about this. So if it were to go to some kind of court, and then, you know, guilt would have to be assigned to people. So I would assume that if that were to all happen, but that could also take until 2021 to all go through. So, um, you know, my thinking, Frances, is, yeah, this is quite far-fetched. Uh, it's going to be nasty because you're going to have people within the club now or people trying to get within the club fighting amongst themselves as well now, and it's almost going to be taking sides. And I think that's the most negative part of all of this. It's more bad press for Barcelona. And I asked on, on YouTube two weeks ago uh, in the video about, is Barcelona in crisis? When that was after Messi with the IG post and after uh, Barca found himself in second in the group table, that was before they were kicked out of the Copa del Rey. And that was before uh, we knew that, uh, actually, it was right around the same time that Usmani Dembele was going to be out for the rest of the season with injury. So that was all happening all in the same time. And th- that's actually where we are at the moment. To, to just mention, it's not just one thing that's happening with the club. It's putting all these things, stacking them on top of each other like you're playing Jenga and just waiting to see which block you pull out before things start to crumble. So, I mean, it's hard to even go back to speaking about the first team and speaking about some of the nuances, but that's the whole thing about this, Frances, that regardless of what's happening off the pitch, in the next now few weeks, we've got, uh, obviously, you got La Liga, Ibar over the weekend, sure, but then that following week, you have Napoli, you have El Clasico coming up, and this is all within the next three weeks of time. So there is nothing off the pitch that can be distracting to what's happening on the pitch. Kike Setien, his team, they've got work to do. 
Yeah, and but the thing is, it all depends on interest, isn't it? Because if Benedito has already taken a step forward uh, without actually having any sort of foundation or evidence that this is actually true, just, just someone saying that they found some information, then obviously that's going to generate the whole circus around the team that that's going to be it's going to be distracting in terms of what people do in social media and what people sort of go um, in terms of the, the news sources, etc. Um, I don't think it's going to be too distracting for the players, however, because when you've got matches of that caliber coming up, then the, as a professional, there is nothing that can go around that would take you away. I mean, Messi's not going to um, not score goals or not give assists just because this is going on, but obviously it is a true reflection of, of the moment that the club is at. I mean, I, I've thought about this from time to time, really, like other clubs seem to have more stability because they've got an owner and that's it, you know, but I think that's what makes Barca difference and that's what makes Barca special. People vote, people elect, it's a democracy and obviously when it's been torpedoed with occurrences like supposedly the one that we're talking about today, then, you know, it's difficult to handle, but that's that's what Barca is and we're proud of who we are and we just need to keep moving forward and hopefully focus just on football soon, but, you know, depends on people's ability or inability to do what they need to do. Yeah, we'll move forward and speak about the club then on the other side of this break. We're now going to take a quick break to tell you about our sponsor, Bet Online. Bet Online, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all things sports. March Madness, the Masters, and Major League Opening Day are right around the corner. Bet Online has you covered for all your latest news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. The best part, when you sign up, you receive 50% welcome bonus. The Wilder Fury rematch goes down this Saturday night. We can't think of a better way to wager on the fight than doing it with actual free money. Head over to betonline.ag and use our promo code BLUEWIRE to revive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. We signed up. It's super easy. And if you're already into betting, it's a fantastic way to support this podcast. Again, that's promo code BLUEWIRE, all one word when you sign up at betonline.ag. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Now back to the show. All right. So now that we've cleaned our palettes a little bit, Frances, of all that's going on off the pitch, I think it's time for LaRonda. You ready to just talk about what's happening on the field for once? Let's go for it. Let's go for it because the other side honestly really bores me. Yeah. So we have questions from Steven, Eric, Ted, Vilmos, all asking about kind of the same topic here, because if there's one guy that needs to be more focused than everybody else in the next few weeks, it is none other than Junior Firpo. So Steven asks, is the best Junior Firpo better than the worst Jordi Alba? Eric, can Alba's injury be viewed as a positive in that it will give the club a chance to evaluate Junior Firpo in some high-pressure games and try to see whether he can be the long-term answer? Ted, out with Alba out, will Barca shift to a 3-5-2 or a 3-4-3? Vilmos, is it time in the summer we sell Jordi Alba and bring back Kukurea? So I think there's a lot of no's to those questions, but I think it's a lot more nuanced than we think. I just want to give, Frances, I'll give you your runway by giving you a few stats here just to put some things into question here because I think you're hotter on Junior Furpo than I am. So I have some indefensive Junior Furpo. This isn't against Alba, but this is Alba's third injury of the season. Barca lost 2-0 against Granada while he was injured and 3-1 to Levante with him on the bench, both during the Valverde era. Obviously. So as far as Alba being out of the lineup, it's not that Barca have had bad results. As I said, I mean, he, he they just had the two losses 
when he didn't play in those games this season of all them and the rest he was on the field for. Furpol's goal and assist, they are they do match Alba's in the Liga this year, so that's the same number, though Alba has one other point somewhere else. Granada match is the only match that Barca has lost with Furpo in the lineup as well. Again, that's the reminder there. That also happening in the early part of the season. And in that game, we were critical of Furpo because he played an awful 45 minutes, but then he came back with performances against Villarreal and Hadafe the first time where he got his goal. And then the last thing I'll say, Furpo is only still 23. All summer long, we were saying that Ferland Mendy and Junior Furpo were the only options out there. That's, that was the idea. That was the, the, the thing that you and I have said that other people were saying those were the two best left-back options on the market. Well, Messi destroyed Mendy in the Champions League, so reportedly Barca were moving away from him a little bit in their eyes, but Real Madrid went after him, paid a little more for him, got their man, and then Barcelona, I wouldn't say settled for Furpo, then Barca got Furpo, who played under Kike Setien. I mean, we obviously didn't know that then, but he had he had a pretty good sparkling start to his professional career under Kike Setien, and I think it's time to be not only patient with Furpo, but, you know, I think the defensive job he does is good enough and I think getting uh, getting forward offensively, I mean, it takes four or five years for these outside backs to, to get accustomed to playing with Messi. And as I talked about a few weeks ago, Messi's got four or five guys around him. So to be able to square that ball to the penalty spot where you know he's going to be and the opponent knows he's going to be, uh, it takes a lot of time to figure that out and get that chemistry down to play with Barcelona and to play in Barcelona's system. And I, I just don't think we give, especially a kid like Firpo, I don't think we give him the leash that he needs. And I think he needs a little more time and patience. I think if he continues to struggle for the rest of this season and next season, then at the age of 24, 25, we start to raise question marks. But at the moment, I mean, I'm not going to say that this is the end of Junior Firpo. I'm fine with him as our left back against Napoli and Real Madrid. I think as a team, Kike Setien has everybody playing better. And Junior Firpo is just part of that equation. Yeah, okay, yep. Loads of points made and lots of them very valid. But Jordi Alba is a starter. And I don't deny that though. I, I I I just I don't disagree yeah, with you. I, I just I mean yeah, I agree. of course yeah. So so he's a starter. So simplistically, I'd rather have all of the players in my squad fit and healthy, so we can choose from them. Now that being said, Jordi Alba has been on and off injured all season. Really, um, he just got his fitness back and was slowly but surely getting back to his best. And and then he's sort of fallen injured again, um, which is which is you know. Very, very disappointing for him and also for Messi and the rest of the squad. So, shall we trust Firpo? Yes, because we don't have another choice. Having said that, I agree with you. He was better in the last game against Getafe. Um, I think he was influential in both the goals, really, especially on the second one, I think it was, when he squared the ball from the side. And, you know, you saw glimpses of the player that he can become. I, I do agree with you as well that we cannot sort of kill a player that just got to us and... and, and be incredibly critical of him, but at the same time, we can obviate the fact that when he makes mistakes, we need to we need to say that as well. Um, am I confident with you know people being part of the starting eleven? Yes, um, I think that he's a valid player. I don't think he's exceptional. I think he's got a lot of growth, but right now we need someone who will help us qualify for the next round of the Champions League. And I'd rather have Alba fit, but because that's not possible, then we just have to keep moving with Firpo. And if he continues. The, the glimpses of, of greatness that he showed in the last game, then that's going to be a positive for all of us. 
Yeah, just to run through those answers, uh, deciphering what Francesca and I both said here, is the best Junior Furpo better than the worst Jordi Alba? I don't think we've seen the best of Junior Furpo yet. And that's the whole thing that Francesca and I are saying. He has the potential to be better, but we haven't seen that yet. And Jordi Alba, his the worst that we've seen of Jordi Alba was obviously in those huge, huge matches and huge moments over the last few seasons. And people have been getting on Jordi Alba about his confidence, saying you know that he's mentally weak with Liverpool or, uh, or Roma and these big, big moments. But... I mean, yes, there was, you know, the, him being emotional in the locker room and you saw that and seemed to be afraid of what was happening. But we also don't know. We are not in those rooms. We, we don't understand what's happening. And I would say that Jordi Alba has been one of the greatest outside backs that Barca have had in their history. Uh, not Maybe not the best, obviously, left back that Barca have had, but he is certainly very, very high on that list. Uh, Jordi Alba is. And uh, I, I hope that we just don't let, you know, some moments and some video of him being emotional in the locker room changed the way that we saw such an exceptional player who is just turning 31 next month. So it's not like Jordi Alba is completely over it. He certainly relies on his speed and he might lose a step, but I mean, Jordi Alba is still so, so important to what we're doing. As far as whether it's a positive, Frances and I kind of said that, no, obviously it's not a positive Jordi Alba's out because, yeah, I don't think we need to evaluate Firpo right now. I think we can evaluate Firpo for the next year and a half, as I said. So give him a runway there. Is Barca going to shift to a 3-5-2 or 3-4-3? I don't think so, because as much as there is an issue with the left backs being healthy, there's also an issue with the center backs. So PK, Lingley, and Umtiti have all been either suspended or injured all in the last month. And we have not seen Ronald Araujo, but I would much rather have Junior Firpo starting in a, in a really, really important match than a player from Barcelona B, uh, regardless of the player. Yeah, on that. On that, Dan, with the tactics, I agree with you. I think that they has used three different formations, and the one with the rhombus in midfield that he used in the final in the last match, that has to be the way forward now. I think the room for maneuver in terms of formation and mechanisms is is over. He's got um, Napoli coming up incredibly soon, and a classical following. And uh, in two weeks' time, we could be out of everything really. Um, arguably, La Liga still room to play but you know when you lose in if you go and lose in the Bernabeu then that's a huge morale sort of knock that we may not recover from so room for experiments is over he needs to continue to go with the formation and adapt the players to it yep yep I agree with all that then the final point of Kukurea I think it's interesting because Kukurea does primarily play left wing with Hidafe and he has kind of been a left winger more than he's been a left back so I think if the club reevaluates what they do with Dembele, then maybe you see Kukurea. But I don't know if the futures of Alba and Kukurea are completely tied. But I would also, again, I think it's going to be just like we've seen with Rakitic. You look at Jordi Alba's contract. Even if Barca wanted to move him, good luck with that because he's making a lot of money and that contract goes for a few more years now. So uh, good luck getting rid of Jordi Alba, if you're, uh, regardless of any board, for the next few seasons. Uh, so for better or worse, I think we'll, that'll be a question we'll have to revisit in the future. But let's move on here. Matt says, 33, 30, and 29. These were the ages of experienced stopgap strikers, Larson, Henri, and Villa when they signed for Barca. They all left differing levels of legacy at the club, but all contributed. I know the club is restricted to who they can sign from the Liga, which the report is that the governing body did agree to this, that Barca could have a player for domestic competitions, that being somebody to help out in La Liga, so they won't be able to help out in Champions League. But it would have to be a current La Liga or La Liga Segunda Division player that they'd be able to sign. Uh, and so Matt asked, would, they, would you prefer a player that can make an impact over the 1.5 to next three seasons or someone 
somebody purely until the end of the season. And I have a YouTube video as this I want to plug from last week where I did the big four that was still linked at that moment was William Jose, Lauren Marone of Real Betis, Lucas Perez of Deportivo Alaves, and Angel Rodriguez, who Barca just saw over the weekend scoring a goal against them for Hadafe, his 10th goal of the season. And it seems like today, uh, Braithwaite of Leganes is coming out as well, though I think he's going to be a little pricey. So William Jose and Braithwaite, I'd say just financially, I don't think it's going to work just because of their release clauses. And I don't think they're, they're clubs who were, weren't willing to negotiate with other clubs with more concrete options in January. I doubt they're going to want to speak to Barcelona now since they can't reinforce on their own for the second half of the season. Marone seems to be out of the price range as well. So to me, it kind of goes down to, and all these guys, as we talk about, are in their late 20s, early 30s, except for Jose and Marone are, well, Marone's, you know, his mid-20s, but uh, Jose's, I think, the youngest of the bunch, um, but still not a spring chicken, still kind of what he is. Um, but Angel Rodriguez, to me, Frances, is the pick. He's not, it's not a flashy pick. We saw him score against Barca over the weekend, but he generally comes off the bench and scores goals. And that's exactly what Barca need. If they can get him for six, seven million, where you look at last year's loan when they got, uh, we had to pay a few million for Botang. I think Anahal Rodriguez, he fits the role that Barca needs from him. Come in to the Liga matches off the bench instead of trying to test a Ray Minaj or somebody from the B team. Bring in Anahal Rodriguez, hope that he gets a goal late in the Liga matches and say your piece. Between six and 10 million, if that's what they have to do, then I guess that's the money that's going to have to be spent. I think the club have to do a lot of sailing, uh, selling anyway. And what's another six to eight million to go against the ledger? Because again, the books are going to have to be balanced some way. So they're going to have to Coutinho, Rakitic. They're going to have to do a ton of selling. And again, I don't think the money spent on on Howard Vigas is going to break the bank. No, um, I also agree that we shouldn't be in this position in the first place. Well, yeah, you know, we said about in the previous podcast and the one before that as well. Um, the, the, the planification in terms of the winter transfer window was terrible. Um, obviously, no one really had a crystal ball knowing that Dembele was going to be injured for this long. But then again, that wasn't unlikely. Um, but, you know, that's just going back to the past for, for, for going back to the past sake. So moving forward, I agree. Angel is the best solution. Uh, we need a patch, basically. We need to mend something that is broken. And we, at the same time, cannot invest too heavily now because... Honestly, we just don't have the money. Right. Um, in the summer, if we can get Rakitic to go elsewhere, maybe Juventus, maybe Inter, anywhere in Italy seems to be the best destination for him, then that's some money coming in. If uh, whatever happens with Coutinho, that could be another bunch of money right there. So we may be able to go for Lautaro or Neymar or anything of, of that caliber. We are not in that position now. Those players are not available now either. So going for the goal scorer with the best minutes to goals ratio um, in, La, in the whole of La Liga, that is Angel, makes perfect sense. Buyout close of 10 million. Um, the, I, I heard the, um, the president of Getafe already saying that, you know, if they got a, a call from Barca, they will be open to negotiations. So what you said around six, seven, eight million may be possible. And then we just, we just keep going with that. I mean, ultimately, I think Griezmann, He's doing a decent enough job um, as a striker. Obviously, he's not Luis Suarez, but he's not trying to be. He's just sort of doing his own version of what a Barca striker should be. And if it's someone to come in on the second half and, you know, cause a couple of problems and, and fix defenders so there's more room for people like, for example, Messi, maybe Arturo Vidal trying to find gaps here, there and everywhere. Uh, maybe the young coming from the second line, etc. Then I think Angel is a, a, at that price given his um, his stamina, his dynamism, his strength, 
and his ratio this year, I think, is the best choice out of the bunch, without a doubt. Yeah, and I would also say that for all the silly clauses that Barcelona seem to put in other players' loan deals and contracts that seem to prohibit them from going back and getting their own players, I would say that this is one of those where if they buy him for $8 million, maybe negotiate with Hadafe to say, okay, well, we'd love to have you put a buyback clause in for 4 or $5 million, where it winds up being like a 2 to €3 million euro loan, if that makes any sense. Over the summer, Angel Rodriguez can go right back to Hadafe for uh, a fraction of the price that Barca are paying to get him now. So that's what I would uh, hope that Barca were able to negotiate and do. But it's also surprising for Hadafe, uh, and this is kind of revolving, again, what's on the field, that you heard a lot of things about Barca's performance over the weekend. But Hadafe, I mean, I think they should be frustrated to lose Angel Rodriguez because they are still, they're facing Ajax in the next few days in the Europa League. They are third in the Liga table at the moment, so they're still obviously not only comfortably in a Champions League spot, but they've they've got other teams nipping at their heels, but they're not the fourth place. They're not the last Champions League spot. They're in third at the moment. Again, they made the Europa League last year where they're still in the competition, got to the group stage. So, so Hadafe is a good team. A They are not just a hard-nosed, kick you and foul you and try to take you out of your, your rhythm like we saw against Ibiza or you know when you played the Copa del Rey or the bottom teams in the Liga that are just trying to stop the flow. Hadafe are a disciplined team under Bordelas. They have a game plan, they have their players, and they know exactly what they're doing. And so I think they would be hurt to lose their their goal scorer coming, their leading goal scorer who comes off their bench. So, But if Hadafe are willing to negotiate, you're right, Frances, snatch it up. So speaking of negotiations, I think there's a negotiation that's not going to be happening as much as people can get excited about it. And Tomas asks, Guardiola, come back to Barcelona. Is it possible? I say not only no, and we're talking because of the Manchester City ban. They cannot play Champions League for two years. They are going to appeal and throw as much dark money as they possibly can at anybody who will take it to get this ban appealed. But all that said, I still think it's going to go through. And if they do not have Champions League football, you might see some players leave. But honestly, Guardiola said in the past that he doesn't want to return to Barcelona, especially under under this kind of the way that he's going to. I doubt he would return under this board, with, especially with everything happening now. Uh, so I don't expect Barca, I mean, uh, Guardiola to come back. And the other thing I would say, Man City are going to have a hard time getting players to come in, but I think they're going to do everything they can. And you talk about the weekly wages that Man City players are on. They are paid so much week by week that it is going to take a crowbar and a gigantic Lamborghini full of money to pry any of their players away from Man City because they're still going to be going for the Premier League title, which is still a big payout. Yeah, uh, and I think in Guardiola's position, I wouldn't go back to Barca, really. Um, He's a club legend at every level. I mean, he was a ball boy. Then he played all through La Masia. He was a, a, a player who did very well as a youngster, became a captain, then went away, came back and had the best managerial era in the whole of our history. He's got nothing to win by coming back to Barca. If I was him, there is no no way I would come back. Um, I would probably, if I was ever to return to the club, I would come back as president um, and, and make the club basically what I what I wanted to be. And obviously, in Guardiola's eyes, it would be pretty much what most of our listeners, I'm sure, would want. Um, but as a manager, I don't think he's got anything, anything to get at all. I mean... Um, as for his position at Manchester City, he's a manager that has been criticised for, you know, which is weird, for having great players at his disposal, having Xavi, Iniesta, Puyol, um, Dani Alves, Avidal, Victor Valdez, etc., while at Barca, and then having Aguero, De Bruyne, etc., and, and, you know, all of the, the players he didn't have, he bought, basically, with this um, dodgy money 
as um, we can, I think I think it's official. We can actually say that now in the podcast. <laughs> um, but no, I mean it would be it would be nonsensical for him to return to Barca. And I think that he's got a chance now to prove that he's a manager not just about the money by staying at Manchester City and you know having Phil Foden and and other youngsters coming through and actually breaking through. Um, because if you cannot really sign or your fans have decreased, you won't be able to do what you were doing. And I think that it's a great chance for him as a person, as a manager, to prove a point that he's not just about the money. So if I was him, I would stay at Man City. I know that's not what many players, as I'm sure, want to hear, but um, I think it would make perfect sense for him to prove a point, uh, which is that money is not everything. He's more than that. Yeah, I mean, and people who are asking me if you could take any Man City players who are looking to get out. Well, one, I want to go back to what Francis and I just referenced, that Barcelona are going to be in their own trouble if they don't balance their books. So as far as Barca going to buy players with outrageous weekly wages, I don't think that's very likely. I think there are a lot of other clubs with money to spend more than Barca for Man City's players to be able to afford them. But if there was any player I would pick, I, I mean, I do like... Uh, Bernardo Silva, I think he would be fantastic at Barca. I think Sterling would be great to fit. I, I'm talking about players who I think would fit into Barca and, and be possible. But again, I don't think Barca has the money to spend. There is the one exception would be the Catalan in Eric Garcia, who is still a teenage center back, who I think would fit perfectly in a timeline if Barca are just going to sell Jean-Claude Jadibo to Schalke. You know, that loan that Schalke can trigger the, for the buy option. So if they don't see him as the future, uh, and Ronald Rahu, who to me, I watch him at Barca B. Physically, he, I think he's terrific. He's up to it physically uh, as far as the presence in the air, all those things. But with his feet, if we're going to play like Kike Setien wants to play, I, I do worry about the ball being played out of the back by Araujo. And all that said, you know, if they were able to get Eric Garcia for, you know, 10 million or something because he, he wants to, you know, he, he wants Champions League football. But, you know, he's a teenager who puts all his trust in, in Pep Guardiola. And also the other thing about Eric Garcia, who left La Masia a while ago, was that he's, you know, a manager that, for one of the youth teams. He's just really taking everything he can, uh, advantage of everything in Manchester. And obviously he's got Pep Guardiola in his ear. So I don't see him leaving either. And I guess that would be, as I would say, I guess the most likely because he's the most affordable. So I think it's a place to move on, but we're actually going to stay on topic talking about Pep. He does play Fernandinho at the back, who is an elder statesman, Brazilian defensive midfielder, but maybe Man City's most important player at times. But he's been playing him at center back this season due to injuries to Porte, uh, as well as uh, a bunch of other center backs. So Pancho asked, would you entertain the thought of maybe having Busquets play a game at center back? Frances, I don't want to take the words out of your mouth. I say no, just because of, uh, I know he can but he's not quick enough anymore. I think he could maybe a few times when he uh, had a little more of a first step, but I want Busquets as a defensive midfielder. That's where he is for Barca. So if he's going to be on the field and not getting a rest day, I want him to be the defensive midfielder. And I just he does not have the pace anymore to play at center back for Barca. Yeah, and also in the last game, he was outplayed, basically. Um, Getafe was very physical. It's a little bit like I saw with PSG at Barca Juvenila just like an hour ago here, really. Uh, football is not just about moving the ball uh, and sort of having possession and, and controlling games like that. It's also a physical game. Let's not deny it. You know, like when during the Guardiola years, you had um, Avidal, Puyol, Alves. They were incredibly physical players. And um, Eto, for example, Ronaldinho himself was very physical too. So you need to have that degree of strength in order to, to break through. And I don't think Busquets has it in his natural position. So let alone centre back, I would think that he would be, he would be a last resort option. Um, obviously, when Todibo leaves for Germany, 
um, during the winter transfer window. That is because Setien has seen that Araujo from Barca B is a better choice. So if you are missing a centre-back, the natural, the natural decision is to stand by what you said and play play Araujo. I agree. I think that that's, that's going to be the only possible choice because he's the, the specialist in that position. Unless you then... And if you don't play him, then you're saying, actually, I cannot stand by my word, and more, and perhaps even worse, I don't trust La Masia or Barca B to do the job, which is replenish the first team when we are in need, which obviously is the situation now. Yep. Yeah, I mean, I got a chance to watch Barca B uh, over the weekend as well. I watched them against uh, Levante Bay. So they are in a playoff spot at the moment in the third division. And yeah, the third division to the first division is a jump up. But these are Barca B players that are, again, they're not spring chickens. Against uh, With most other teams, if you're 19, 20, 21 years old, you're already breaking into a lot of other teams in the world. So it's not like these are you know, still young kids. It's not like they're 16 and 17 years old. You know, they are players that are playing at a professional level in the third division and they are training usually with the first team. And and I don't ever want to take for granted how much players can improve and get prepared for first team football by having to defend against Messi and Griezmann and and uh, and even Ansu Fati, I guess, but, and the like. So to, to have to go against those guys in, in practice every single day it does make these. It does prepare these players who, again, are not teenagers. Uh, some of them, being Araujo, it's twenty years old. He would be playing for a lot of other teams uh, if he wasn't at Barcelona. So uh, we're going to end this one off by talking about Messi and speaking of guys playing in different positions. Enrique asks, "Can Messi extend his career by playing in the midfield?" And Pulkit asks, "Do you think that Barca should be worried that Messi is not?" not scoring goals or getting past goalkeepers lately even though he has what it's five assists in the last two matches and 10 assists in the last four matches or or five matches or something so I would say no to both of these I think that he can extend his career by continuing to take it easy on pressing sometimes and to balance himself out throughout a match you could I mean if anyone who's watched him live he walks so much and that is just him conserving his energy and not now, not for this month, but I think for the long term. He just is, he takes his time, he presses when, when necessary. And see, Kike Setien might have him running a little bit more, but to be a part of Kike Setien's midfield, I think you run more than he does when he's a forward. And I'd rather have him, obviously, farther up the field anyway. I think Barca is just unequivocally better when he's not dropping deep or dropping too far in to receive the ball and having to run at four or five op- opponents when he's able to just stay upfield and the midfield can get it to the forward line. And then he turns around and has Fati and Griezmann trying to get in behind or uh, Jordi Alba or Nelson Semedo or Roberto on the other side. When he has the other players trying to get in behind, he doesn't have to drop deep like a midfielder, but he drops a little more centrally. I think that's fine, but I don't think he's going to extend his career by playing in the midfield. I think he's always going to be what he is as long as he wants to be a Barca up top. And as far as, I'm never worried that Messi's not scoring goals. Ever, ever, ever. That's just that's a rule of thumb. There are things in this world I get worried about, and there are things that I get nervous about, but <laughs> Messi not scoring goals is never going to be one of them. Yeah, and I think it was 28 shots, something insane. 28 shots he's taken without scoring, which is, as I said, mind-blowing. Am I worried about Messi's Stent in his career? No, not really. I think Messi will retire when he's had enough. Um, he doesn't do it for the money at all. He does it for the winning. And when I say winning, I mean collective titles, not necessarily Ballon d'Or or anything like that. He has won more than enough of those. And getting the Champions League, I'm, I know it's in his um, in his mind, as is the World Cup, but obviously it's a, it's a Barca, not Argentina podcast. Um, we shouldn't be worried about Messi not scoring. I think we, we should be worried if Messi was not getting into goal-scoring positions. Um, and here is the key. I think that 
Messi has been dropping deeper and deeper or further back into our own defence at times, really, uh, because it, the, the game hasn't flowed moving forward. And, you know, we, we do have more possession with Setien, which is good, but ultimately the team is not really that different as to what it was with Valverde. I think that the, the players have a different hunger. I think the players have a different uh, vision of themselves in terms of confidence, self-confidence. Um, when when matches turn ugly and, and, you know, to defend results at the end, not defend by defending, but defending by having possession of the ball, obviously, this is the Barca way of defending. And I think that they are mentally stronger. Um, obviously, the next 10 days, 15 days, really, are going to, are going to be very telling moving forward. But um, Messi has to drop, drop further back towards our own defence just because he's not really trusting that we are as capable as we should be of, of bringing the ball forward. But obviously, without Suarez being there, with Dembele being injured, and Griezmann you know, still sort of finding his feet and certainly playing out of position, he, he, he liked to clone himself into three different situations so we can actually be as effective as we need to be. But um, I not for one second doubt that Messi is the most intelligent player on planet Earth. And if he says that, if he sees that he is more needed there at the back and, and, and sort of either taking the ball forward himself or associating or dropping to wherever he wants to drop, then he's got a, a great reason for it. And I'm not for one second going to claim I know more about football than Messi does. So the coach trusts him to, to, to pick and choose. And let's just go with that. Yeah, I think the one criticism that Messi is is the correct one again. It's a chicken or the egg. Where Messi, he does he does lose the ball a bit going a bit more going forward than he did in his youth. But that's again because he's also getting he's spent a decade getting fouled and not going down and just getting hacked to pieces. So he does lose the ball a little yeah, bit more. Yeah, with that, Dan, can yeah. I say with that? I don't think I, I agree with you, but I don't think it's just on him. I no, it's think not. If that's... he was. Around, yeah, yeah. That's it. If he was surrounded by players of the caliber of Neymar and David Villa and Eto and Xavi and Iniesta, he wouldn't have to do that. He would just pass the ball and move into space right. so that he can go further up the pitch and be more influential. But obviously, those people around him aren't there. And when we're talking about that, then obviously it has to do with what has the board been doing over the last four or five years other than devaluing this squad. Yeah, I, I think yeah, that's the point that you're, you're leading to me. That he's he gives the ball away more than he used to, sure, but that's also the point where I, I I get nervous when he picks the ball up so deep now for those very reasons that the the players the defenders are just sitting in they sit in on his hip and they always bring that third or fourth help and he's you know in his youth was able to beat five or six players and he still does there are times I mean watch there are two three times a match when he just unconsciously I mean even in the last match somehow finding a way now we know that he loves that movement from right to left across the penalty spot and and takes a shot with his left foot right right at the top of the box. But And even against Adafe, there's four players right around him, and most players aren't even able to get that shot off. So as much as people say, oh, you praise Messi so much and you're sick of of Messi on this podcast, you blame everyone else. It's not necessarily blame for anybody else. It's that Messi's trying to do different things, and he's he at the moment, he, it's not even a choice to be assisting, but it seems like playmaking is something that Barca is currently working on. And as we were you were saying too, Frances, about the possession, a question from uh, Andoni that we're, we kind of are answering that we're also not too worried about the possession that I mean I'm happy that Barca are I think defensively they're reshaping what they're trying to do as you mentioned with being on defense by having the ball the best defense is a good 
uh, offense. And I, I think that's what Barca is doing at the moment. And I think that, yes, things might be similar in terms of formation, but you're right. The things that the intangibles that we can't speak about because we're not there. Vilmo says credit to Eder Sarabi as well, the assistant coach for Kike Setien. There certainly is a, a new new car smell around Barcelona at the moment. They've got that manager bump, and it seems like there is passion defensively. The players are working hard, uh, and it seems like no match is lost. And that's what we want to see. We want to see the a player, the players, and even when they're down one nothing, we want to have the belief that this they're going to be able to come back in this match because the players want it. There's a game plan. This possession is going to lead to something. So I'm not too worried that possession, high percentage percentages. I don't think that indicates that that means that the team is unwilling to advance in meaningful ways. I just think that Barca probe. They want to have possession and they want to make sure they're getting shots on goal. And the shots are up. Uh, and I think Kulays are just happy where things are at. So I think Frances, that's a good place to leave it, right? Yeah, I, I want to mention something. I, I'm. I don't know if this has actually seen by uh, by our listeners by watching the, the last game. Uh, did you guys notice that the Camp Nou was jeering the build-up from the back? Was that heard on TV? It was it was told to us after the fact. The, I, I, you know, I saw, I saw it online, just, just as All so right. many other people did, yeah. Okay, so well, I was watching the game in Movistar, which is the, the Spanish channel that was broadcasting it, and uh, it was very clear that the Camp Nou fans were unhappy about the way that Barca were building from the back. I mean, it is obvious that under Setien, because they basically they want to break the 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 high pressing that every rival knows that they should go they should do against us. And Ter Stegen is having much more touches of the ball now because you can drop both centre backs around him. Then that seems to stress the right the the, the opponents. But obviously that's making people nervous. Uh, I just want to say before we go that I don't quite understand why the Camp Nou is whistling against their own team. Uh, for playing the way that the coach wants them to play. Um, I mean, since when is playing from the back being whistled at the Camp No, I don't, I don't quite understand. I, I, I do see that some fans may think it's risky, but I think that comes out of the lack of understanding that it is breaking a line of defence. Because if you can break, because if they press forward, that's five, six players of the opponent team that are in a defensive third, if you, if you call it that. So once you break that via a classical Sergio Roberto going forward with the ball sort of thing, or the young does that as well, or a quick shift towards the side, etc., then it can become um, a very good chance at the other end, which is what we need because we're missing players. So it, I think it's a necessary risk. Um, it, is, uh, it, it is who we are, and I just don't understand the Camino fans getting so nervous. I know that it's a new a new um, initiative. Well, Francis, my, we need to stick with it. My, my contacts told, told me that I had, I, I did talk to somebody who was at the match and they said that those jeers that, that you heard or that were coming through was a percentage of people. And obviously like everything else, when people are yelling and jeering and being negative and everyone else was sitting quietly in their seats or just, or just watching those jeers are going to be the ones that are going to come through. So as far as the percentages of people, it's the same way where the uh, the internet might think one thing, and then you realize that the people in Catalonia, the, the small percentage of socios think a different thing. So I think with the jeering, I, I think that it's, you know, what, what I've heard is that it wasn't as many people as you think, but you just hear it because that's the people who were yelling. That's the negativity that's there. And to your point as well about Ter Stegen, I just actually, I, w- I want to finish, finish the show by speaking about him. His save against Adafe was awesome. How he was able to, basically it was a triple save uh, off his line. And he has been, Ter Stegen, 
you know, people think he wasn't, he probably was actually good last year, uh, better last year, but he also had to do more last year in terms of those big moments. Uh, he was, you know, just Valverde's defense set him up to have to make big moments and big wins. And uh, Ter Stegen delivered rather last year. That's, I, I mean, other than Messi, we said last year, he is the number two reason why Barca took home the Liga trophy last year. And this season, sure, maybe he's been off his game, but there's, we look back at all the goals that he's conceded this year. There is very little that he could have done more on the goals that uh, that have been put in the back of his net this season. So I think Stegren has been awesome, and I trust him in his feet. And again, for those who are afraid about the ball at his feet and why he's, you feel like he's giving it away, you go back to last week's show. I had mentioned his passing percentage is actually up since Kike Setien came around. It's just he's hitting more passes. That's why the passing percentage is up because he's taking more risk, but he is hitting more passes. And with those risks come some some ta- some turnovers when Barca lose those 50-50 battles, particularly in the air. Because again, a lot of teams are, they have right backs and left backs who are going to be bigger, thicker, and stronger than what Barca put out because they're trying, uh, they just play players who are raised and have the ball at their feet. So I thought Ter Stegen has been awesome. It's going to continue to be awesome. I, I do love having Ter Stegen at the club. And I hope that every idea about Messi versus Ter Stegen and any of those rumors, uh, let's put those to bed. I think if there's anything we garner from uh, anything over the last few weeks is that the team divided is not a team that, that can win anything. I just want to say, though, on the point about the about the jeering, I understand it's not 100,000 people jeering, but it is a significant number and it is much louder and it's much higher than in any other game. So I don't know who you've spoken to that was in the Camp No, but I don't buy the theory. It was louder. It was, it, it, people were more nervous. So I'm not saying it was 80,000 people, but it was a much more significant number than it has been before. Well, hopefully things turn around and get a little bit better. Sorry, oh. I, I have to say it. You know, I've been going to the Camp no for many years as well, so I do know how the stadium reacts to things. Well, I can tell you that if, if things are going poorly in the stadium, uh, you also know that things are completely on fire on the internet. So I, I guess I would tell you to avoid both and uh, try to do what I do. Just I put on headphones and stay in my house and, and try to watch it in the dark. So if that's how we're going to watch Barca, at least we're enjoying the way that they're playing at the moment. So I hope you enjoyed the podcast that we put on today as well. So thanks very much for tuning in. Check in your app and check out the show notes to subscribe. You can find us on social media, Twitter at the Barcelona Pot at Hilton D13 for me, on Instagram at the Barcelona Pot, a closed Facebook group where we got these listener questions tvpod.link backslash group deeper dives and discussions as well uh, we do patreon quick take match reviews that's where those are 15 to 20 minutes around tvpod.link backslash patreon also helps support the show financially as you hear we might have one or two ads in the show but uh, all of it does matter and it's you know as we say this is a time commitment for us and if i'm doing this that means i'm not doing something else so <laughs> this is part of uh, what, what pays the bills here the patreon as well as the ads we're also on youtube this week, I'm going to have a Napoli preview. So you're going to hear, if you're not been paying attention to Napoli, I've been able to watch a few matches. So head over to YouTube, subscribe, so you'll see that when, you, when, when I put that up this week. So YouTube, the Barcelona podcast. Check us out there. Hit that subscription button, like, as well as also wherever you find this show, iTunes, Spotify, leave five stars, leave a review, and let us know. Help us get back up the charts. So thanks so much for listening to the Barcelona podcast. Until next time, we'll talk to you soon. And Forza Barca. Forza.